From the studios of their respective lounge rooms, a team of pyjama-clad TV tragics ready to slice, dice and dissect the best and worst of what's on the box. It's TV Binge Box. Hello TV lovers and a big welcome to TV Binge Box, the podcast where we talk about all things TV and help you guys out there work out exactly what to watch and exactly what not to watch. Isn't that right, Mr. Stephen yes. Malk? <laughs> yes, 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 yes. Joe, hello. Hello, everyone. Hello. Brookie, hello. We? I know it's weird talking to Brookie who's not really here, but he is here. Let's find out when he's here. Um, Brookie, you're in lockdown, I hear. What's going on? Is that good? I- I'm not, it is terrible, but oh. I am feeling so prescient that I bought that 55-inch Sony TV. Oh, yeah. Oh, a gosh, week you... earlier from JB Hi-Fi, and my friends are like, how did you get it home? And, you know, when you're involved in a car accident and people have superhuman feats of strength, <laughs> they could, uh, desperate, I got it up two flights of stairs on my own. So Tucked feeling... it under your arm and off you went. Yes. Oh, exactly. bless you. And have you hung it on the wall yet, though? No, I'm not. I've got <laughs> a lovely TV cabinet that's resting on. But then I had a disaster because I couldn't get my favourite BritBox to stream oh, anyway. No. Oh, Miracle of Chromecasting, I'm all sorted out. Huzzah. Good, good, good. Yay, yeah. yay, yay. Well, boys, this week we're heading into my favourite turf, reality TV, in our group binge. But... Mm. Let's start off with our claps and slaps in this week's... Clap or slap. Malk, what have you been watching? Oh, controversially, I've been watching television, Joe. (laughs) Uh, And I'm going to try and keep it really simple. One clap and one and a half-ish. Maybe it's one total slap, but there's two slapping machines. Never simple with you, Malk. It's very not simple, Brookie. Um, A fortnight ago... I watched the latest episode of The Handmaid's Tale and I felt it was a pivotal moment where either they had jumped all of the sharks or it it was kind of a a moment of plotting brilliance and that last week's episode, the next episode, would reveal whether or not I was going to stick around with The Handmaid's Tale. Huge clap for the team because it really took it to a place that I mean, in part, I would expect, but it I, they haven't jumped a shark. It's really good. And now I can't wait to see how they resolve this part of June's story and what happens. And I don't want to spoil it for anyone. It's just an incredible moment. Uh, and I'm absolutely gagging for the next episode. So bring on uh, The Handmaid's Tale. It is honestly kicking some massive goals. I was a bit worried. What but season are they clap. up to now? This is season four. Season four, right. It's always a, a turn, a, you know, a very a pivotal series, isn't it? Season four. Stick Whether with it, guys. Show, yeah. Stick with it, guys. <laughs> oh, Brookie, I was going to try and not do that, but, you know, stick with it. Um, so, yeah, huge clap for The Handmaid's Tale. Now, this is not totally a slap. I watched The Army of the Dead, Zack Snyder's new zombie film that's on Netflix, two and a half hours. That man oh, needs gosh. to buy another editor. It is disgusting the way that he is allowed to just reveal his largesse. However, it wasn't a bad kind of addition to the genre. I thought that as long as you know the rules and you understand how zombies work, it, it you'll you'll buy into it. Dave Bautista is pretty cool. Uh, they absolutely retroactively digitally edited in Tignataro into the whole film because Chris Delia, who was in the role prior, um, had been 
charged with some sexual offences and didn't they didn't want him in the film. So they oh. completely replaced him just, with just... Tig filming all of her parts on green screen, separate to everybody. Uh, wow. And it really is a technical feat that they've succeeded. It's fun. It's way too long, but it's chewing gum for the eyes. So it's a slap-ish. Just okay. Zack Snyder, chill out. Calm down, buddy. Um, my other slap is, again, not a total slap. And I'm going to get in trouble from Lovely Wife for this. <laughs> the Friends Reunion. Now, oh, my goodness. I watched all of it. And I felt that at you know a hundred minutes, it just went on too long. Too long. Yeah. There was it bits was. that we didn't need. Who cares about BTS telling us that they love Friends? I mean, at least Mindy Kaling has a little bit of cred because she's a comedian, a writer, an actor to be able to reflect what that meant for her. Nobody cared that Kit Harrington talked about it. Who cared? More bloopers, more reflections. That's it. End of story. Look, I loved it for the nostalgia factor and sure. I loved seeing them all, the gang back together. Um, but I think it was definitely for, for fans only who have really loved oh, yeah. the series, definitely. Didn't watch it, won't watch it. Yeah, look, <sighs> the important takeaway from the Friends reunion was that friends don't talk about friends' drug habits. Uh, <laughs> the end. That's my slappish slap. Oh, that. poor Matthew Perry, really. Oh, I you didn't know, say I, it was Matthew Perry. Uh, what are you saying, Joe? <laughs> but just looking at him back, you know, when he was good, and it's amazing to me because he's come out and said he had that problem very mm. early on in that series, and it's amazing he held it together. I think he fe- said he was, you know, from almost season two, you know, high. Yeah. And he was incredible back then. It shows that, you know, kids out there, drugs don't pay off, <laughs> that's for sure. The reunion, uh, oh, sorry, one more thing. The reunion mm. also highlighted that of the six central cast members who are all, you know, ex- extremely well-paid and great actors and all the rest of it, Lisa Kudrow is a star. Oh, isn't she? She's a she's star. Yeah. She's class, 100%. All right. Is that, all, is that it? Yeah, that's Mom. it. I smashed that's through so, it. Look at that. Look at me getting better. That is. That's like two minutes. Wow. Okay. Brookie, what have you been watching? I watched last night another episode of a show I didn't think I was going to continue with, RuPaul's Drag Race. Have you been sticking with it? Well, you know how I was slightly critical of the Mm. casting of it when we discussed it. I just do Mm -hmm. want to pay tribute to the star hosting quality of RuPaul, who I'm sure could do this job in her sleep, but doesn't do it like clockwork, I think. And I think makes tough decisions with who she's going to be sending home but explains away the reasons, unlike a lot of reality shows, I think, which almost cast the people they want to chuck out, if that makes sense to you. (laughs) So she's made some controversial decisions. I just want to briefly ask you, because I know it did hit the headlines, one of the drag queens impersonated Lindy Chamberlain in episode Mm. two, which even some of the competitors thought was in very poor taste. I think to me it goes to show that what you can do in a nightclub stage is entirely different to what you can mm. do on television. Yeah. I've got a lot of sympathy for Lindy Chamberlain. I can understand how a lot of people would have been offended by that. The real challenge, I think, in it, Brookie, is that uh, you're right, nightclub v television is a very different forum. And also, I think drag queens, when they're at their best, is that they bring maybe something that's a bit shocking and have some absolutely brilliant comedy lines 
you know, kind of the way they, they build and deliver the portrayal is what lets them get away with that. And yeah. unfortunately, there wasn't the comedy to back it up. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Very good. Okay, my slap this week pains me to say it, but it's the weakest link nine survival of the game show. For me, it just didn't work. I think it might have been on our TV Binge Box podcast Facebook group page. Mm. Guy, maybe, or Clint floated the idea of Leland Shin hosting it, the SBS newsreader, and oh. I think that would have been a great idea because she's is fierce. Such, that would have been she perfect casting, fierce. wouldn't it? And if you look at who's hosted it in the past, Anne Robertson, she was a tough journo in Britain and she also yes. hosted it in America. Here, Cornelia Francis, who made a name playing basically super bitches on soap such as The Young Daughters. In the US, they've revived it with Jane Lynch, who's basically playing her character, Sue Sylvester, who was the sort of villain from Glee. Uh, Magda Zubansky has a lot of qualities, but the one I think you need to host this show is to be withering. Mm. And even though it's a slightly fun uh, take on the format and the contestants aren't being deadly serious, I just don't think... Magda is withering enough, but a real big slap to that ridiculous echo that the production company put on every time she said weakest link. And I think if you look at old episodes, they didn't need that kind of stunt Mm. piece of technology in there and it weakened the whole thing. So a slap from me. Did you watch it, Joe? I've only seen bits, but she's just too loved. (laughs) She's too lovable, isn't she, Magda? And I also didn't like the way they – I know the – I'm going to say characters, but they're actually the people on the show are cast for specific contestants. reasons. Contestants. Mm-hmm. That's the word I'm looking for. Thank you, Malk. Um, but I thought they may they were making that too contrived. It was just too it, – it, it just was not authentic at all and I think audiences don't resonate when there's no authenticity. And if Magda, as she said, was putting on a character because clearly she isn't that bitch um, – I'm not sure it worked either because of that lack of authenticity then, yeah. Look, rolling out past characters that Magda has done in the first episode, like her putting on a character, is not a great sign because it means that either she or the producers don't trust her to deliver it and can you punch it up a little bit? Can you make it a little bit interesting? Mm. Add to that, for the first episode, mate, did they get contestants from like the dumb factory? Because jeepers, man, those people were as thick as two short no, planks. No, no, having, as I have discussed in previous episodes, <laughs> the pressure of those TV lights, it takes about blank. 30 points off your IQ. I'm serious. <laughs> <laughs> it's unserious. Oh, oh, I stand corrected. Yeah. Uh, well, we haven't been in your shoes there, Brookie, so we'll take your word for it. Okay, well, that's... Turns it around to me then. And I've got a few this week, but I will try and be quick. Um, Just to finish it off, I've been talking about Line of Duty, which I came to the party late and I finally actually, oh gosh, I've got to click off. I took my seven-day free trial. It might be, you know, I've got to make sure I don't get charged for the month. I uh, put on BritBox because I could not 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 see it. So um, I watched Line of Duty season six, which I know there had been a lot of conjecture Mm. about and a lot of criticism from the hardcore fans and I've got to say I still loved it I really did I thought it was in its as a standalone season I actually thought it was one of the better ones so I really loved it I can see where people were let down and that is and you know without giving any spoilers away the the man at all hinges on and they've been hunting for you know six seasons Mm. um was 
He probably didn't live up to the hype, but it was like Game of Thrones, right? Is anyone ever going to be fitting for the chair? It's like ah, very hard to to wow. to to you know deliver someone that everyone's going to be happy with. But well, as a Joe, season, uh, yes. thank you. I'm even further behind than you. I shall stick with it. You've got to stick with it. Brooke. You've <laughs> got to stick with it. This All right. A catchphrase. Uh, Halston on Netflix. Again, this is another one. This is the Ewan McGregor, of course, uh, film about the famous fashion designer. Um, And it's done by Ryan, um, what's his name? Murphy. Ryan Murphy, who is hit and miss. And in our experience, we have loved and loathed some of his previous offerings. This one I adored. It had everything I love, you know, for fashion super fans. It offers that sort of delicious insight into the fashion industry and world and the 1970s New York City disco Studio 10 scene. I could have watched your McGregor slink around Manhattan in his turtleneck Forever and a day, I tell you. Um, there has been criticism that it wasn't 100% accurate, but, I mean, who cares? I loved it. Mm. I loved I loved the fashion. <laughs> jo, it was fantastic. Jo, jo. What did you think, Brookie? Did you watch it? Uh, uh, well, yes, and then no. You I, I hated, started. I you? started watching uh, it and then I gave up halfway uh, through the first episode. And I, uh, like you, love fashion. I love you watching. You didn't stick with it, Brookie? I did not stick with it. I gave it about 15 minutes. What, what happened? I just, I thought I don't like the character Holston as portrayed. I don't care about him. Mm. He seems a bit of an ass. I'm not sticking with him for five episodes or however many long it is. I didn't want to watch him having bum sex with the cute black guy that he picked up at the bar, which I know they sort of threw in there to be confronting. In the first 15 minutes, um, there's a whole lot of fantastic films about fashion, such as uh, Funny Face, uh, the September Issue, The Devil Wears Prada, The Eye Has to Travel, documentaries, mm. features. I thought I'd rather rewatch those, even though I do love the idea of the industry. The fantastic documentary uh, last year on Pierre Cardin that I think was released. So... All of those, I think, are better than this drama series, Holston. Oh, okay. Well, for me, the uh, perfect visuals were, you know, enough to keep me satisfied. So I was a fan. Might not be perfect, but I think it's worth the watch. I've um, never seen it, but I did enjoy the fact that um, just in Joe's brain, she replaced Studio 54 with Studio 10. Did I? It was brilliant. Did I say You just rolled right trend? past it. And I'm oh thinking, man, God. Sarah Harris and Tristan McManus busting it out in their best 80s garb, doing whatever they need to do. Oh, my Hey-ha. God. Did I That's, really now do that? that? Is, I would tune into Studio 10 if it was like Studio 54. If Sarah was going to come in on a white pony and some sort oh, of... Oh, mate, if there was half the stuff... <laughs> a show that you yourself have been on quite a bit, Joe. Yes, I had a long history there. Clearly a slip of the tongue. I apologise. All right, now my big clap though for the week is a documentary which I think was made a long time ago but it popped up on my Netflix and it's called The Last Days. I don't know if either of you guys have seen it. No. It's um, set in it, – it's, it's actually I think an Oscar-winning documentary. It's uh, produced by Steven Spielberg um, and it focuses on the plight of the five Hungarian Jews who survived imprisonment in Auschwitz um, and they go back with their families oh, and wow. re- recount the horrors. Gosh. 
that they lived through as young children and endured as a result of the Nazis' final solution. Um, oh, my goodness. I had thought... I mean, I have watched a lot and read a lot uh, about World War Two and, and the concentration camps, and I thought I probably had seen it all. But this is so... Oh, so so full on it, it, it blew my mind even knowing the horrors and atrocities that were committed there I've even mm. been to Auschwitz and I've sort of seen it up close but to relive it through the eyes of people who were there it's actually quite incredible and I I think it's just really important it's just that idea of you know every single piece of documentation of that horrendous period in the history of mankind is needed to be watched and watched and watched because, you know, lest we never forget and lest we never allow that to be repeated. So that is a really, really, really great documentary you can catch on Netflix. All right, just a quick one. Um, I won't talk about Mare of Easttown because we're going to talk about that coming up and I've been loving that and I can't wait for tomorrow night. Oh, my God, I've got so many theories, but we will discuss that in an upcoming um, group binge, I hope. But my slap for the week is Domina, and this pains me to say. This is on Stan. Has any yeah. have you, this come onto either of your radars? No, tell me. Okay, it has all the ingredients of... Everything that you and I would love, Brookie. It's historical. It's set in Rome. It's got, you know... Togas off. Togas. Togas on. Togas off. It's got hey. gorgeous men and women. It's got horses. It's got... It was actually filmed in, in Italy. I think it's part part Italian production. So it actually is filmed in Rome in this beautiful, you know, area. So it should have worked. But I don't know. It was really strange. It was kind of a bit pop... What's that word you use when we were discussing Vanity Fair, Brookie? You know, when they kind of pop culture up a historical... Oh, steampunk. Steampunk. It was a little bit like that. It was just a bit strange. I I can't believe that the actors weren't bursting out laughing some of the time. (laughs) You know, like it just didn't work. But like Trainwreck, I still kept watching because I'm just compelled to do that sort of thing. You stuck with it, Joe. I, I stick with these things, even though I know they're so silly. I still enjoy the parts of them that I love. So only for true fans of, um, and it, it's set in the time of Augustus Caesar and all the horrific things he did to, you know, make sure the Senate never became a republic again and, and to keep power. So that's it from me um, on the claps and frap, claps and fraps front. Dear, oh dear. It's a Sunday right. morning. I drank a few tequilas last night, everyone. You're lucky I'm here. Look at this guy. That's it for me on the claps and slaps front. Um, what's What have you guys been watching? We love hearing your tips and thoughts. So please head to our Facebook page, TV Bingepox Podcast Gang. Tell us what you've been loving or loathing. There you are. That's the tequila talking again. Mark, can you please take it away in this week's... Group Binge. Tell us what you had us watching. You have to sing the theme with me, friends. It's iconic. Everyone does did it. Did it. No, I'm not going to make you do that. Money, um, money, money. That's the one yeah. indeed. Look, <laughs> Celebrity Apprentice Australia. It's back on our screens after a six-year hiatus. Um, in no small part, I think, due to the fact that Nine were looking for something to help fill a slot. They thought, here's a great franchise that they have owned previously that they could reinvigorate. Uh, however, they acknowledged that quite possibly the reason the last series, uh, the last iteration of the series didn't work was that there wasn't a whole bunch of charisma in our CEO, the person who does the hiring and firing. But we'll get to him in a second. This season, a whole entire swathe of new celebrities have signed on. 
Brace yourselves, here's the list. The Veronicas, both of them competing as one unit. Uh, the second half of Sydney Radio's Fitzy and Whipper. Uh, best known probably for the block and selling houses Australia, Shana Blaze. Uh, singer Anthony Kalia, Designer Camilla Franks. Comedian Ross Noble. Uh, David Gannat, who if you are a Survivor Australia fan, you would recognise him. Uh, Martha from Maths, because that's just the only way you'll know who she is. Uh, one-time fan of Going Commando, Michelle Bridges. Um, Instafluencer, Alex Hayes. Comedian Rob Shahadi. And Australian ninja warrior legend, Olivia Vivian. Now, don't get attached, friends, because those last three <clears throat> have already been fired. Uh, but that's the list. And I can give you a snifter of a spoiler... If you're watching the series, you've probably already seen this. We're recording Sunday morning. Sunday night's episode introduces two new celebrities to the pack. Um, so we get a whole little bit of extra sizzle and steak. Now we're three episodes in. We've seen three people get fired, as I mentioned. We've seen three different challenges. And we have started to see, I'm going to say, the way that the producers are delivering us, the celebrities in all of their glory. Before we get to some of that relationship stuff, because that is really central to Celebrity Apprentice, uh, the format and stuff. Joe Brookie, what did you think of the challenges that they had to do? Now, just a reminder, the first one was a um, celebrity auction. They had to create art pieces and auction them off. And that was the winner. Um, in this case, it was Whipper. Got the, the proceeds from both auctions to give to their charity. In the second case, it was um, create a tour of Sydney. The winner got $20,000. The third one was a yum char challenge. Make dumplings and sell dumplings. The winner got $20,000. Brookie. Oh, boy. Okay, so yeah. specifically on the challenges. Yes. I thought the auction was, well, inauthentic, if I'm being polite. Fake, if I'm being blunt. Because there's no way of knowing who the bids were from, how the bids came in. Yep. It seemed very esoteric. There's nothing we could grab our hands on and not very visually interesting to people sitting around bidding. The next yep. two challenges I thought were more successful. The third challenge, really, the yum char, was when it came into its own because you had yes. kitchen disasters, you had ingredients going missing, you had people who couldn't cook, you had uh, fights over who was doing what in the kitchen. I thought that made for the best television, obviously, mm. with the... Uh, tours of Sydney, one of them was a kind of history tour of Sydney yes. and the other one was a sightseeing tour. So, of course, the sightseeing tour had an inherent advantage because, hey, you're in Sydney. Do you want to learn, A, about convicts or, B, do you want to go and climb the Sydney Harbour Bridge? Yeah, look at the So address. I thought yeah. very uneven. They're my thoughts on the challenges specifically. Great. On the Joe. other topics... I have more to say later. I know, I'm good. Yes. Joe? Um, look, I I didn't mind the art auction one because I quite like the bits I like about it are when you get to go behind um, into people's stories. And I really liked, yes. you know, Anthony Kalia's uh, little piece. And I thought, I, I really like when the celebrities open up. And I do think that this year's cast, um, even though some of them aren't necessarily really amazingly well known, the ones we do know 
I think are really quality contestants. I think they're mm. people that have been through things, experiences, ups and downs, you know, whether it be health or business or relationship, and um, they have a depth to them. So I am enjoying that, uh, and I did like seeing that in that challenge. The other challenges, I mean, they're always fun. I think they're fun to see. Martha, you know, that line she said about I'm making Gordon Ramsay seem like a kitten or something, you know, in the kitchen. Gosh. And, and it's the challenges that really bring out um, – people's you know dark sides i i, true I actually Dare true colors <laughs> yes i actually was thinking about it when i was watching i thought oh my god i couldn't go on this show because you would just lose it and then you'd mm. be like oh my god people aren't supposed to see that only my kids see that so um yeah i've enjoyed i enjoy all the challenges being measured in that is a real challenge for our contestants, and we're seeing that happen in real time. Um, I, I agree. The Celebrity Apprentice challenges work best when they are either pull all of your strings, work your contact book, let's get mega bucks for charity, right? That's mm. step one. All the other side is completely fish out of water, which is what the Yum Char Challenge really brought to the front because mm. it is designed to stretch and pull. On one hand, it's ego. I've got the better contact book. I got, you know... Uh, Whipper mentioned, I think it was in that challenge or one of the challenges that, that Woolworths came on board and donated 50,000 bucks or something that really Coles. helped. Coles, it was Coles. Sorry, yeah. Coles. Mm. That really helped Coles get won in the, the auction, line. I think. It, it really sets yeah. apart who has the best contacts, right? The yeah, ones that uh, actually 100%. deliver. 100%. That's meant to. I, and Sorry, that's I, I just thought we had to get that brand right, given there was obviously no, very some fair. kind of deal that we should mm. allow them to yes. have their place Sorry. in the sun. They've obviously paid a lot for that. Very, very fair. And and that's that's the, the challenge is because if I've got the better contact book than you, then all of a sudden you have to work a whole lot harder to prove your worth. Like, to be fair, what what contact book is Olivia or, or Martha going to bring to a challenge that Whipper or Shana or the Veronicas are going to bring? You know, like there's that difference and differential. That means that they have to prove themselves. And that's where you get into the, the, the Yum Star style challenge where the completely fish out of water stuff where they have to work really hard and work hard because we're not used to seeing celebrities work like in, in that kind of way, you know, pound the streets, get out there, make dumplings, cook dumplings, all of the sorts of those sorts of things. What do you think as we lean into the boardroom tussles, which really are the, the feature of the show because the challenges really get compressed into not a whole bunch. It is all about, who's angling at who, who's trying to get whoever booted, who had an argument with who on a challenge. The the boardroom tussles and the casting, I want to throw both of them at you. What do you think about the people that got cast and what do you think about the matchups? Because there's a couple already. Joe. Um, well, as I said, I have enjoyed I, I have enjoyed watching some of these contestants. They do have heart and, and they've got all those yeah, elements that I'm interested in. So I've enjoyed that. Um, the mm. Veronicas have always irked me and now I think they're even more repulsive. Sorry to say that. They just, even the way they speak to each other, I find very unappealing and um, I, I, I just, they grate on me terrific. They have come out and Look said at, no, that... No, 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 what, Joe, Karen from Coogee. Goodness me. Goodness me. Well, I already had a preconceived idea about them based on there was this incident on Qantas or on a flight where mm. they were really rude to the air hostesses and and that just – I just hate celebrities who do that don't-you-know-who-I-am thing. So that had mm. already triggered me. But, again, you can't believe everything you read. So seeing them in the flesh speak – badly to the, you know each other as they do to other people um 
yeah, they, they certainly would. I'd have a target on their backs if I was. They in have come out and said this week that they were they had been sold the show as being far more generous towards them than what they're seeing themselves portrayed as. Take that for what it's worth. Oh, the old, you know. And that the old, to, I, to I move, was edited badly. <laughs> tonight on 60 Minutes, there is a very glowing interview with both of them. You oh. work out how that works. Oh, right. There you are. But Martha can, like, what amazes me is some of the ones you think don't have any grit and they come out fighting. Like, when their back's against the wall, they come out with the claws. And Martha is Martha that. Martha has <laughs> avoided being fired. Mm. by some of her performances in the boardroom. hundred She's a arguments. fighter. Uh, uh, she... Where she has picked, she could be a barrister. She could be the new Sue Chrysanthu <laughs> um, senior counsel because she picks one element and delivers it with great force. Uh, yeah, she's uh, smart. Definitively, 100%. which uh, is kind of in the mix, but she turns it into the dominant issue, which is how I think she saw off Alex. A hundred percent. also Vivian. But that's, I think, if you assume that this whole thing is happening on merit. Whereas I've just looked at these first three evictions and I've thought, hmm, who's the lowest profile celebrity who's up for eviction? And surprise, surprise, guess what? They're the ones who go. Or who's the most boring personality out of this lot? Is Shayna Blaze really going to get kicked out in the second or third episode? Guess what? No, she isn't. So to me, that adds, and you brought it up perfectly when we were discussing The Weakest Link earlier, Joe, authenticity. And Mm. I think there's a whole lot of authenticity lacking in Australia's Celebrity Apprentice. Do you know, Brooke, you've hit the nail on the head because after that first episode, there was hands down no way Shana should not have gone. She was the team, the project manager, she was responsible for the choices made, the artworks. Those two young, you know, whether Martha and the Alex kid. Yes. He, you know, they had done what was asked of them in Martha's instance, nothing, but in Alex's <laughs> instance to create. He did what he was asked to do and he brought the creative and, and his artwork actually sold more than for Olivia's, I think. But they really targeted him and he just wasn't capable in the boardroom of throwing Shana under the bus, which he should have done. And Martha threw him under the bus. But Shana should have been responsible. And I agree with you when the, when he didn't even go there and, and she didn't get fired, they kind of lost me for exactly that reason you just said, Brookie. It he wasn't authentic. He was pretty low profile, didn't have a big mouth on himself, mm. uh, didn't know how to debate the issue. Yes. Exactly he didn't right. know how to play the game, and that's the real issue. Given that we've had five seasons of Australian Celebrity Apprentice prior to this, and the franchise has been running internationally for 11,000 years, if you come into this, this game effectively and haven't watched it and haven't kind of worked out, okay, so I need to do this or be ready for yeah. these kinds of things, then it's at your peril, Alex Hayes. Like, independent of whether or not he actually got told that he was going to get bids of 50000 or more for his picture to then only get, what was it, thirteen or fifteen or $18,000 uh, for, for the shot. That left his team in a hole. So that absolutely painted a target on his back. Yeah, but he worked hard and, and you know, she got away with doing absolutely nothing. But as you said, coming into the boardroom and... He promised big and delivered everyone. poorly. Lord Alan Sugar is the host 
Uh, he's been imported uh, over to the colonies along with his assistants, uh, Don Jr. and Ivanka. Sorry, Lorna Jane Clarkson and Janine Ellis. Yeah. Um, they're the ones that are out there helping him make the decision. He's been the front of Celebrity Apprentice UK for some time. How is he doing in Australia, guys? Brookie, you go first because you're familiar with him. I right? will say something that might surprise mm. you, but I love The Apprentice mm. and I love Alan Sugar. Mm. But I love The Apprentice, which is the show that is in on the BBC in Britain and really turned him into this global mm-hmm. superstar. It's not The Celebrity Apprentice. So there's just been a complete misunderstanding of what the show is about as far as I'm concerned with this Australian edition. The show in Britain has a group of unknown business hopefuls. The prize they are offered is a job with Lord Alan Sugar. They're not doing it for charity. They're doing it for their future careers. So the stakes are really high. Alan Sugar wants to hire someone who is guaranteed a job with his company. So he is completely invested in finding the right character. Yes. Who is going to, you know, run a new unit and hopefully make him even more money. So he really cares. His offsiders, at least in the original series of The Apprentice, were two senior citizens, Nick and Margaret, who were ultra low profile, graying hair, who sort of wander around like Miss Marple and Hercule Poirot, <laughs> silently observing, and then came in and gave their politely devastating critiques of the contestants. So the big difference between that show and the one I can see here is that everybody, contestants, sidekicks, advisors, and Lord Alan Sugar cared about the outcome. And here, right. mm, I don't think it. they do because you've seen Whipper kind of when he's stuffed up and somebody screwed up on the ordering in the... He's like, oh, we've bought too much mincemeat or pork or whatever it was. And they kind of <laughs> laughed mad. and giggled and then went through on it. In Britain, that disaster would have been played for the disaster it was, which would have been a career-ending moment for someone. There was no consequence to that, was there? No, there's no drama. I I just think you are right. It's being played as a game. It's not being played as a matter of success and failure. So for me, I really do think, as you've kind of suggested, that Celebrity Apprentice Australia is apprentice light. Mm. Well, yeah, yeah. I am not a fan. I have watched every single season of the American one. I have watched none of the British one, but I, um, as much as I have a distaste for Trump as president, I certainly loved him in reality television land, which is where he should have stayed and belongs. Um, And Mark Boros, I didn't find terrible. And I think this guy is just, he's charismaless, couldn't be more charismaless. He's... He's not smart. He does. I mean, obviously, he's smart. He's rich and loaded. Blah blah blah. But I don't find his quips and his delivery particularly entertaining. Um, and I, he just comes across as mean and boring and old and, and old fashioned, um, and not interested. He looks like he's getting paid a shitload of money to be here, and he doesn't really want to be here. Yeah, wants um, to go and play tennis with Russell Crowe. I also think he just made his choices at the behest of producers. Yep. Yeah, and that goes back to that authenticity. Yeah. Did he really think that person should have gone? No, he's, he doesn't have a clue who they are. Really probably hasn't been that interested in even focusing on each task. And you're right, someone in his earpiece says, no, we've got to get rid of him. Well, if, and, you've got, yeah. if you've got skin in the game, you stay in the game. And that's what we're saying. Like, Lord Alan Sugar doesn't know any of them, except for mm. Ross Noble, which he noted in the first episode, mm. doesn't know any of them from a bar of soap. 
So, and it's a celebrity version. There's no buy-in, as you said, Brookie. There's no consequence to this person getting hired and helping Lord Allen make more money. So a celebrity version is inherently about charity and we appear to have not actually learnt a whole bunch about anybody's charities except Whippers. Whippers, I liked um, that. That was a really touching moment. That really which was humanized lovely. him. Yeah, it was beautiful. But this is where we land. I'm enjoying it. I will absolutely watch Lord Alan Sugar in future series of the of, of the Apprentice out of the UK when I get to see them. Uh, and I'm going to hang in with this one, but it is through glasses that are exactly as we've talked about. It just doesn't feel right. Joe, do you have a score for us out of five? I do. I'm going to say two and a half. It's background cooking TV for me. Wow. Bang. You know, if my back's turned on the stove, I'm okay with it. Brookie? You know. I'm angry because it is a great show in its native format, and this is not what we're getting, so I'm giving it one out of five. Oof. Wow, that's harsh. One. Well, guys, between oh, you and me, to you there's, there's not a lot of love, game. is there? <laughs> um, I'm going to give it two and a half Ross Noble v. Camilla Franks's out of five. Um, oh, I thought, wow. yeah, okay, yeah. I thought that that, was... that showdown was the best thing that we have seen by far, and... Uh, it just kind of resolved itself, and here we go, friends. Off we go. You, we may see that you, blow up again in the future. I don't were you know. team Camilla or? No, I was team Ross 100%. She took right. offence way too hard, and he's trying to sort it out. Mind you, I also saw in him a quality that I have, and it's let's sort it out. Let's sort it out. And I've had to learn to step back from that when someone's hurt. You can't press them to sort it out. But that's let's not get into you know, the deeper parts of Mulk's It was a very good woman. Women are from Venus, men are from Mars kind of scenario, wasn't it? It was just <laughs> that like... Friends, Celebrity not... Apprentice, <laughs> Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, 7 slash 7.30 on the Nine Networks. That's it. Well, that's this week's group binge. Next week we are off, I think, and then when we come back we're going to have a... A big discussion because it is a show that warrants so much discussion. Mm. I have loved it. I know you boys have loved it. I'm talking about Mayor of Easttown, the brilliant uh, crime drama currently on Binge and Foxtel, which the final episode drops tomorrow, which is Monday when this podcast lands, and I cannot wait to find out who is the killer. Yes. So uh, we're going to do a big discussion on that. Send us your thoughts on at TV underscore binge box or on TV binge box podcast gang on our Facebook page. Um, speaking of our Facebook page, Brookie, what's been going on over there? It's been a very lively week and thanks as always to your contributions. David Sidwell pains him, but he is fading in his enjoyment of Wakefield. That's the... Mm. ABC Sunday night drama. Eight hours, a bit too much, he says. He's getting premonition and even deja vu when watching the next episode. Never a good look. He says the series reminds him of his favourite Australian film, Bliss, from 1985, as well as the great BBC TV series, The Singing Detective, from 1986. David resides in Williamstown, which is 25 minutes away from central Melbourne. So he's in lockdown and he's asking fellow Victorians what their streaming plans are for the next seven days. Christina Conosperus, hope I've got that right, Christina, is excited. There's a new season of Mr. In Between, a award-winning Australian drama I was unfamiliar with. It's on Foxtel. He's a hitman, but he's also a dad and mm. much more. Mm, She's saying the Nash. first two episodes are great. A welcome return to the vibe and feel of season one. Mm. That's Nash Edgerton's one, isn't it? 
Josh, Joel Edgerton's he directs. brothers. Yeah, directs it. Yeah. He directs uh, Not the Star, but it has picked up a few actor awards and also a TV Logie, I think. Yeah, it's yes. very good, apparently. AJ Banks was looking forward to Celebrity Apprentice Australia, but after taking three hours to watch the first episode, thanks Nine Now, he found it intolerable because of the ads. Michael Sainsbury's been watching Holston, not perfect, but insanely watchable. We gobbled up the lot last night. Brilliant cast and casting. Sumptuous looking and Ewan McGregor was divine oh and plenty of liza i didn't stick with it (laughs) i'm with you michael i'm sure she was great fiona mcclintock she said it was five f's but should have been four she gave it three out of five stars guy peter loved friends beautifully crafted walk down memory lane he actually got quite emotional at times uh he felt the show was there for some of the most memorable parts of his life Friends is one of those pieces of art that transcends television for me. It's something I truly connected with. Ten smelly cats out Mm. of ten. Alison Arundel is asking anyone watching the new Lucifer. She's enjoying 5B far more than 5A. Thoughts? Question mark. Well, Alison, I think I better get on to 1A and 1B before (laughs) I can pass judgment on that. But she does get post of the week. And I'll just read that one out to you to conclude. I love this group and I hope it's not a controversial suggestion. But when you want to discuss something with a potential spoiler, can you put, and she's got asterisk, asterisk, capital letters, spoiler alert, show name in the post and then any of the spoiler details only in the comments, especially in the week or so after the episode is released. Well, with Mayor Monday coming up, Alison, we are more than happy to take your advice because I'm sure there's going to be a lot of comment this week about that program. Thank you all, bingies, one and all. We love the comments and posts. Keep them coming and please, no spoilers. There you are. There you have it. All right. Well, that's all we have time for this week. So thank you so much for listening and joining us in this week's episode of TV Binge Box. If you want to chat with us, give us a suggestion or just say hi, then as Brookie mentioned, we loved hearing from you on our Facebook our Facebook group page. Um, and you can find us on Twitter or Instagram at TV underscore Binge Box. Meanwhile, Malk, I know you've got a dash. You've got to take your son to sport. Where can we find you quickly? I'm at Steve Malk on all of the things that you want to find me on. Uh, Don't forget, we want to get people subscribing. We would love it if you would give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Uh, And I know who done it in Mare of Easttown. Oh, my gosh. Don't. Okay, I'm glad you've got to go because I would sort of want to pick it out of you. Um, Okay, Brookie, you're going to be uh, doing lots of TV watching this week. Uh, I know we can find you probably on your lounge watching your (laughs) brand-new TV. Yeah. But on socials, where can we catch you? You can catch me at Viscount Brookie, and I would never brag about knowing the <laughs> ending of a television show. <laughs> <laughs> there you are. Well, I'm at Joe.Casamento on Instagram and JoeCasamento1 on Twitter. Thank you so much for joining us for another week of TV Binge Box. We look forward to your company again in a few weeks' time. Until then, stay safe, stay warm, and as Meredith Grey would say, pick me, choose me, love me. So needy. So needy.